Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another edition of Random Encounters. I am Nick. I'm Matt. And we are your hosts for a weekly delve into a random monster manual to discuss a random monster. This week, I will lead the discussion with Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition Monster Manual. And this will be from page 158, if you're reading along at home. Let's start with some flavor text. These creatures drag victims to their deaths using their powerful hooked arms. These pack omnivores scour the Underdark in search of live prey foraging when necessary. They communicate with one another using a complex series of clicking noises they make with their mouths and carapace. The eerie clicks echo in the Underdark, warning prey that death is near. They're, I'm pretty sure they're iconic to D&D, but I, they're like the lower tier of icons. Yeah, I. it sounds so familiar that I can picture it. I just don't know if I've ever heard the name and if i have it's one of those where it's not on the tip of my tongue or anything you'll kick yourself when you hear it but but i don't think Uh, yeah i don't might not get it i wonder if i i'm gonna try and cover up all of the stuff except for the picture looks exactly how i pictured it yeah it's got like bony giant hooks for arms yeah clawed Almost bird-like feet. Looks like it has a beak, but whiskers. Yeah, it's called a hook horror. Yeah. yeah, it it rings a bell. Yeah, but it's not anything that I've, you know, played it as or, or oh sure DM'd as probably I mean. barely seen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty much underdark specific too. So if you're not playing anything drow or like exactly. really like the the caves underneath something you know as opposed to a, a legit like dungeon underground yep then it, you're you're not going to see it uh, a little more lore with a dc20 you can learn that hook horrors live in total darkness they can see in lit environments but in the dark of the deep earth they navigate using echolocation they also make clicking noises to communicate with one another an underdark explorer might become aware of nearby hook horrors by these noises. With a DC-25, you know, although they hunt in small packs, hook horrors also gather in large groups called clans. A particular clan, ruled by its strongest egg-laying female, ranges over a wide area in the underdark. Its members defend clan territory fiercely from any intruder, including unrelated hook horrors. With a DC of 30, you know that hook horrors are omnivorous but prefer meat to plants. Rumor has it that they prefer the flesh of drow over any other. Who doesn't? Not surprisingly, drow slay wild hook horrors and take young and eggs to raise as slaves. So to say that you can make it a slave means there's some intelligence. Gotta be a level of intelligence, right? Yeah, Otherwise, it's just a. A, a forced domesticated animal yeah kind of yeah it's it's a slave not a pet so that mm-hmm. means there has to be some sort of intelligence mm-hmm. interesting i one of the things that i really really love about 4e 
which was not a, not a lot now that I have it to compare to like 5e. But one of the things I loved is they played a lot with movement, forced movement and things. Okay. They have an ability called Fling. Does 2d12 plus 7 damage and the target slides three squares and is knocked prone. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a recharge on six. Oh, and there's, from last week, I told you, there's the recharge of a, a picture of a D6 right there. You have to roll the six on there for oh, your recharge. So if you don't roll a six, it doesn't recharge? Right, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not recharge on six on a D6. It's like just a picture of a, of a six on the D6. I think it's very funny. These guys are level 13. Okay. Level 13 soldier. So in 4E, I think there were so many different, like, little qualifications. Yep. I, I'm pretty sure that soldier is just, like, your standard fodder, you know? Not a weenie to be burned down quickly, but nothing particularly powerful or even tanky yeah. for that matter, you know? Yeah, it's not chum, but it's the next step up from chum. Yeah, it's basically a fighter class, I guess I would say, without a whole lot of specialization. Yep. And uh, humanoids sometimes capture and train hookors as guardian beasts and shock troops. So they do, there is some sort of, I don't know, if you get them young enough, then it's, that's all they know. So they're slave, like, is that how it works? I think probably how yeah. it works is, yeah, the only thing they know is is protecting, you know, the their their master or you know, the go on special missions or, or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah you're, yeah. you're raising it to be a shock troop, I think. Is, right. Is a good yeah. They have a, their, their standard attack is pretty cool. Well, they have two. One is it's just your 1d12 plus seven damage and the target is pulled one square. Again, the movement thing. But the other one is rending hooks. The hook horror makes two hook attacks, which is that first one, the pull. But they make the two at a negative two penalty, each at a negative two. And if both hooks hit the same target, the hook horror deals an extra D12 of damage. And the target is grabbed until they escape. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the damage and grab. See that? Yep. I could see the damage as they're like pulling the hooks apart as they pull it out, but then you're also grabbed. That's just, that's insult to injury. Yeah. And on top of that, if you have a grabbed target for a minor action, you can do a bite that's a D8 plus 7. Okay, that's why it's a 13, I guess. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I think, if I remember correctly, that was, 4E had a lot of those two, the kind of conditional attacks like if the, you grabbed the yes you can and. do this yeah and if if you if you manage these these two things then you get this third thing so you better hope that that you don't get hit by it kind yeah. of thing they're kind of cool they're kind of cool especially because i feel like it's fairly easy to kind of cop out when going in in with like underground creatures like you get your 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 what's the the whip the 
the thing that looks like a stalactite, but it has like whips. Oh, like flaily tentacles. Yeah, I don't remember what that's called, but yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Worms, things like worms, that. oozes. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can have all those kind of unintelligent creatures, but this brings a little bit more to the table where they are pack animals. So would you would you say seeing one of these is like a precursor to something else then if you're referring to it as a as a a pack animal? I I would. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. Maybe there's one out as a scout so then you know mm. that there are more more around and where that could just lead into even more where you have the one scout leads to a, a colony or however you want to put it of of these hook horrors, which then also indicates that there's probably some drow around mm-hmm. that are hunting them or trying to steal the eggs, whatever. Yeah. So it just it kind of helps build up that mythology of the Underdark a little bit more than just, okay, here's some oozes and of course there's drow. Yeah. And, it just gives you a kind of a step between, I think. Yeah, it's it allows for a little more flow, a little more synergy, as yeah. opposed to random underground monster, random underground monster, random underground monster. I do see an opportunity to say you're you're fighting the drow, or you're you're just about to come head to head with them, or there's going to be some sort of confrontation, and then like a pack of hook horrors comes out and you guys have to band together for this sure. fight. That could be cool. Yep. Shared enemies. Yeah, right. The temporary truce until you both live. And hopefully that'd be fun for the DM to come up with a way, come up with an opportunity for the players to maybe betray the drow sure you know not don't don't hand it to him like don't force feed it to him but kind of make it try to make it just vaguely visible and see if they take it you know that's that's really cool that's a a a fun yeah like multi-tiered multi-level approach to dming is 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 seeing how they treat situations you know don't just give them the well we got to fight this and then it's done and and we got to solve this puzzle and then it's done you know give them that a a little more leeway there that's that's cool that see how that party works together see it see how the the overall party alignment flows basically you know yeah hope this is obviously an encounter you would have you know, a couple sessions in, so you have an idea of how the party works, I would assume. Oh, yeah, so I would think so, yeah. You would know, for lack of a better term, which door to open for them. Yeah. You know, is it something where you're, maybe there's a, you're getting overwhelmed by these hook horrors, and there's a, a point of egress, but it's, you have, you're, the party has an opportunity where they can just get out of there mm-hmm. and, and, you know, block the hole in the wall or something like that. Or do they stay and fight? Do they, 
you know, maybe push all the draw ahead and then right. take pot shots from the back. Right. Do they, yeah, do they, is it completely selfish? Is it altruistic? Is it, is it, are they sticking with their word? Yeah, there's a lot to, there are a lot of options there if you're crafty enough as a DM yeah. to work around. And maybe you know your party. Maybe you know, maybe this is session two or three, but you've already run a campaign with these guys. You yep. know how they play regardless of the character that they've rolled up. You know how they play so you can, they're basically putty in your hand. You know what they're going to react to. You, yep. you give it to them. And maybe you, you, just because you know what they want to see, just because you know what's going to get them excited to roll the die doesn't necessarily mean you have to railroad them. Give them those other options. Or force them some other way just to change it up a little bit sure you know or not necessarily force because you yes sometimes you do have to railroad but you generally want to keep it open world but maybe maybe make the other option more easily attained make the one that they would normally go for a much bigger sacrifice somehow sure you know even if it's the entire drow party dies except for one guy who makes it away and now the whole drow colony has a vendetta against them something along those lines yeah the the possibilities for future stories and how it will um kind of branch off from there is really interesting because you could do the like you said the the lone survivor Mm-hmm. You could do the party stays and fights and maybe they just make it out alive or bear, you know, they, they're triumphant one way or another, but this drow colony that they were supposed to go and maybe exterminate or whatever is now an ally. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Flip the tables. Yep. For sure. You don't ever really want your, your, your players to be comfortable. No. You know, let them maybe settle into something but always always shake things up always and if that's just for one session that happens to be a new creature to fight sure okay but a a really good solid dm will be able to do that with story alone yeah and having having lasting consequences is a great way to do that yeah it really is yeah and I think something like the hook horror is is a perfect way to build atmosphere as well. You know, mm. if you have characters that maybe they only have low light vision, maybe they play up the the horror aspect of this, the, the oh, sounds, the yeah. ambiance of that, where you know maybe they have a light spell or something that's on a a stone or a staff or something along those lines. And they can only see maybe 60 feet. Mm -hmm. Well, 80 feet away, they can just hear maybe all around them, maybe just kind of up ahead, just that clicking noise. Yeah. Describe what they're seeing. They they see the reflection in those, those completely pale eyes or something. If you have the time and the knowledge and the wherewithal build a, soundscape find free sound files online and and get a free sound program and build it together and get like 
dripping and and echoing footsteps and like just just, that, that just clicking bat noise. bat or um dolphin echolocation you know yeah. that that's how they made the all of the dinosaur noises in Jurassic Park were various actually existing animal noises and they like tweaked the pitches and they yep. put them together and stuff fiddle around get audacity it's free it's pretty user friendly there's just if you if you want to know how to do something i always just google how do i do this in audacity and i generally find an answer uh fiddle around with it and there's a lot of free sites that have sound files pretty basic sound files yep and um, that's all you need for this would be a yeah. basic yeah and play with play with the actual atmosphere in your your home environment like if yeah. you can turn the light off yep turn the lights off candlelight or Candle, just dim yeah. it put put a, a a a cloth over a lamp if you need to exactly. you know exactly yeah. yeah really if they're underground and it's supposed to be kind of spooky mm-hmm. do what you can to to kind of up the ante in yeah. that regard like it 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 will only help your players to to kind of get in that zone yeah you know and obviously you're going to need a little light for dice rolls and things like that but it's you know, you can always put just one hanging bulb or something in your house there. If people, if a player box at that, I'm shocked they've lasted this long in a game anyway. Yeah. You know? I, I agree. That kind of player is not someone that you would expect to have the commitment to make it where you're going to face a 13th level right. creature. Right. That's sure. that's the person who kind of casually goes to the the game store and tries it out. Yep. But if you're if you're in a home game, I would not at all be worried about anyone thinking extra ambiance is a bad idea. I would imagine that you would everybody around your table would be giddy at yeah. the opportunity to play and really immerse themselves in that. I mean, this is the probably the closest thing you're going to get to a LARP experience without actually putting on the clothes and getting out yeah. of the forest. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Lots of lots of potential with the hook horror. I really like that as a villain. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily see it as a long-running, strategic, really serious villain. But certainly as as a really powerful encounter yep. in, in the Underdark, yeah. With all of the extra manipulation that it does, the, the those two rending hooks that grab if they land, yep. which then therefore gives it the opportunity to bite, the ability to throw and knock prone a creature, even though it gets yeah, it, it has a recharge. Would you use something so variable in role for autism is that would, is that too complex i think it's too complex especially because your the character itself is is awesome and something that i would definitely try to utilize but it would be pared down quite a bit mm. it would it definitely wouldn't have the the yes and powers of uh if it does this then this then this mm-hmm. then that yeah just because you you want the turns to 
kind of move along at a fairly brisk pace. Sure. So if sure. your turn as the as the GM in that scenario is going to last for five minutes because unluckily for the players, you've managed to hit all those roles, mm-hmm. then you're going to start losing attention from yeah. whoever that is not being grappled at the moment. So, so nothing really has multiple attacks. Not that I can remember. No, yeah. I think everything is basically a standard. It'll do one, maybe two attacks, but it'll do multiple attacks on different targets. Okay. So maybe a tail on a, like a, a dragon, for example, a tail on one character and then uh, like a wing attack mm-hmm. or whatever on another. So it keeps everybody involved. Maybe if they were trying to flank this, I would have it, you know, hook one and then hook another. Okay, sure. But in terms of just really piling on one specific character, you also don't want any of the the players to feel like they're being targeted. Yeah. So there's no real there's no real tank then. I mean the the fighter, the cleric are are fairly tanky, but they are it's enough of a of a variation where you know everybody has similar hit points. There's not yeah. a huge variation okay. like you would see in a, a typical D and D game where it's you know your wizard has like ten, yeah, and then your your barbarian has thirty five, something like that. It's more to for them to realize that each of the characters has a role. Exactly. Yeah, they all have specific abilities but because you don't want anyone to really die in yeah. role for autism you want everyone to kind of share the the pain sure of, of yeah the attack i get it yeah and i just i want to throw in there i just i just noticed their hook attack has a reach <laughs> on top of everything else man they can reach yeah so you can be what five feet away in 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 4E, it was, they did it by the number of squares. They said, they said oh, okay. four squares away. But in traditionally, a square is five feet. Yeah. So they have a reach of two. If you have just a normal weapon, melee is base-to-base combat, which is five yeah. feet away. Reach of two, there will be a, a five-foot square in between you and that creature. So would that mean... If you are, say, a fighter mm-hmm. with a sword, mm-hmm. you have to be right up there. You are exiting that. You would be taking an attack of opportunity just to get close enough. No, because you're still in that hitbox. Oh, so you... it's from character to their reach. Yeah, exactly. It's not, oh, okay. So if the That's fighter a... is moving outside of that 10-foot square, so if they're moving into okay. that 15-foot then it's an attack of opportunity. Oh, see, that, yeah. I think Pathfinder is different then. Really? Yeah, because if if you are going from where they say a, a character with a, a spear or something, that's mm-hmm. a 10 foot reach. Yeah. You're going from that square in. Yeah. Then you are, you will uh, incur an attack of opportunity, I believe. As far, I don't know Pathfinder's rules, but the, the attack of opportunity rules I know is you can, as long as you're within their hit hit box, you can dance circles around them, and they they don't get that attack. It's only when you leave that range. Gotcha. So, 
are they, well, maybe because they have the bite as well, but they're able to hit you from five and 10. Right. Okay. I think. And, and l- l- let me clarify with that reach, if they hit you, that you're pulled one square. So you're oh, yeah. pulled close to them. So that they can get that bite attack off. Yeah. Well, yeah. they got to land the two, well, the, sure. the, the two hits to, for, to make it happen. But yeah, as long as you're, as long as you're in that, that 10 feet around them, yeah. wherever it is. Okay. I, I would say that you're, ironically, you're safe. See, you, I think you get more movement. I think that's the difference then because I believe that, say, the, the same example of the guy with the spear, once you're mm-hmm. in, like, up close, mm-hmm. they can't hit you with that spear. They have to be, they have to have that five feet in between oh. in order to hit you, which is why you are leaving a threatened square by moving five feet closer to them. Oh, interesting. So you have to be 10 feet away to use a spear in Pathfinder? I believe that's the case. I, I don't remember if it's exactly a spear or if it's a certain kind of spear or something along those lines, but generally like the longer, the reach weapons, I believe have that uh, that stipulation to them. Yeah, reach in Pathfinder. You use a reach weapon to strike opponents 10 feet away, but you can't use it against an adjacent foe. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if I've been playing D&D wrong. I've never played with a spear, though. <laughs> so. Yeah. But but that, in Pathfinder, that's saying that's anything with reach. Yep. So that would technically mean that the hook horror—it it couldn't apply to the hook for horror because it pulls. Yeah, it pulls you in. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think because it also has that bite attack that it threatens every square. Yeah, because it can also hit you no matter where it is. So it could just do the bite attack. No, it has to be oh, it... grabbed target only. Okay. It's a minor action. Oh. Jeez. Yeah, which means they can they can but if it's grabbed it can't do the hook attack. Right? If some if it's yeah, if it grabs something it can't do the hook attack, which means Yeah, it's it's basically cuz it's grappled. So you can't right, actually Right. But that's why it would do the bite then. So it still maintains the ability to do an attack, even though something has been grappled by it. Yeah. And it still has to roll for the attack. Yep. So it's its hands are full and it bites. What's really the advantage of having something grabbed? Oh, because it 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 prevents that character from doing anything but using its action to get the hell out of there. Yeah, exactly. That's what it yeah. is. Okay. So even if the damage of the the bite is less, yep. it's still keeping the other player busy. But what's the point of making the bite a minor action? That if not your sure. standard actions are all attacks with your hooks. Well, is there a, something in 4E where you have to maintain the grapple with a standard action or... Maybe it's a strength contest or something, and that—that's true. Because there were a lot of that kind, those I kind of thought, things in four E, right? I thought, well, there there were 
in 4e they broke out attacks attacks were on could be on your ac they could be on your fortitude save your will save or your dex save that that was messy as all get out but i think i think if you're grappled it's on the grapple to escape to make those rolls to escape oh yeah yes yeah, i'm not sure the 4e grapple rules but i know in pathfinder you can maintain a grapple like it's not it's on the the like you said the grapple e to to escape somehow and they usually have to use a, a full round action or something whether it's a, a escape artist type thing or uh, even a strength check just to break out. Yeah, generally I think it's always been a strength contest. But yeah. what's the DC? Is it just an oppose that the the hook horror rolls every time? I would imagine because 4E did away with the whole CMB, CMD thing that Pathfinder uses. So that's where that came into play. I'm reading the 4E grabbed condition. Grabbed is a condition that affects movement. A grabbed creature is immobilized as long as the grab persists and can be forced to move by the grabber. The grabbed condition ends when the grabber stops maintaining the grab or the grabber becomes unable to take actions or the grabbed creature leaves the grabbing effects range. The condition also ends if the grabbed creature makes a successful escape. And I can click on escape. So let's see what that says. Okay. Escape is a move action. So you have to use your move to be able to do it. Let's see. If the immobilizing effect specifies a DC, the creature can either make an acrobatics or athletics, but it doesn't. Oh. If the immobilizing effect does not specify a DC... The escaping creature either makes an acrobatics check against the immobilizing creature or affects reflex or makes an athletics check against the immobilizing creature or creature or affects fortitude. So you would have to beat a 27 or 24 fortitude or reflex respectively. So you better hope that acrobatics is dex and athletics is strength, strength. Yeah. so you better hope you have a pretty good but at 13 i mean at 13 and if you're being grappled you're probably a fighter or barbarian something that's yeah be you're up right up there anyway. yep and you're probably trained in one of those yep. or whatever it is in 4e i don't remember how they did skills so you've got at least probably it probably safe to say a plus ten. I would imagine to, to your it's, role. It's not out of the realm of possibility that you could escape. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That being said, if you are under leveled or underpowered, oh yeah, something along, you're you're toast. If if you're if you're a caster and you get caught by this thing, you're yeah. boned. You're gone. Oh yeah. If you are playing in a campaign where your DM has set this up and you are maybe not supposed to be here yet. Yeah, if they allow you to yeah. really open world this thing and you don't notice the skull floating above the head to indicate this is way out of your league. Exactly. Like that's you better hope that your casters, your other party members can 
really whittle this thing down and maybe have it leave yeah and start licking its wounds yeah right you hope that it's 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 a it's a single one single yeah, instance that too. yeah yeah party good good balanced party makeup and good team players oh yeah are certainly something to to help that being said if you're if you're a party of thir- like level 13s with this it's some interesting flavor but I, it doesn't feel terribly deadly ter- yeah it doesn't feel like too much of a threat no beyond something else it's just a little extra it, i think i think it would be more it's more psychologically painful when when those two hooks do hit and the dm says and then and and then here's an extra d12 and now you're grabbed yep and oh you, and here's a bite and here's a bite i suppose yeah if you haven't used your minor action you could have a bite on that round i don't see why not yeah yeah that's cool yeah exactly and i think psychological is the big thing here and it goes to the lead up to it and then it's like you said it's okay here's your hook here's your other hook here's your grab mm-hmm. here's your, your the, you know the d12 and then another d8 you're you yeah. almost feel hopeless and helpless it's in that scenario it's hook and pull d12 plus seven another hook d12 plus seven oh they both hit great here's another d12 and now it's going to bite you for a d8 plus seven that's ridiculous. Full full rolls. That's nineteen and nineteen. That's thirty eight plus another d twelve. That's fifty plus another fifteen. That's sixty five in full hits, like rolling max damage. Yeah, <laughs> that could kill. That's a lot. If you hit the right player and the right makeup, like that could kill somebody uh, right there. A, a caster for sure. Yeah. Uh, this this guy, this level thirteen soldier, uh, has one thirty seven. So okay. Oh, but but that being said, monster hit points are always higher than player hit points. Yeah. Generally. So that's double the max damage it can do, which means that if it hit a fighter, you're probably down to you know at least bloodied. At absolutely least bloodied. bloodied. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's no. Nah. I could, yeah, in a, in a in a bunch of really good roles, you would certainly put the fear of Jesus into that party fighting this thing. Absolutely. Now, yeah. if you say, for example, your party was in there, this happened, you hit the max damage. Would you, as a, a member of the party, if you could get, you know, the the fighter, or the barbarian, whatever, out of that, would you immediately retreat and? Mm kind of obviously heal that individual but also try to figure out a different way to approach it or would you just try to deal with that problem and then venture forth are you saying that the that this is like the first move say the hook horror rolled really well on its initiative with its plus 12 and it just did that that whole set all somehow some way that was the opening salvo yep (laughs) 
that would certainly require everyone to clean their britches. Yeah. And honestly, I would be hard pressed to find a party that would retreat. Okay. <laughs> I would love to see it happen. So nobody would would look at this and say, oh, maybe we are in over our head on mm. this one. If they were if they were level thirteen. If they were if they were the right level to be fighting it, if you're they saying? Were, yeah, if they were the right level, but this just I mean, just the roll of the die. It, yeah. It it was really hefty. Yeah. Well, as mm, would somebody need to die in order for Would would the DM say, Oh wow, I rolled max damage on all of these, or would they keep it quiet? Depends would, on the I DM. Would, if I was the DM, I would keep it quiet. That's hard. I mean, they, for me as a DM, that's difficult. I would do. have a bad poker face though, because if they, those twelves came up three times yeah. in a row, yeah. I think I think the best strategy would be leave your fighter in there, so it can't hit anything else. It's just doing a D eight plus seven on additional rounds. Put your cleric up there and heal him, and then just have the casters drop a house on him. Okay. You know, have the meat shield be the meat shield. Keep him busy. Gotcha. So stay in there. Hopefully your cleric can heal more or enough where your, you know, your fighter or whatever is only losing a hit point or two each round. As yeah. opposed to, you know, the D8 plus seven, you said? Even, yeah, D8 plus seven. Even if your fighter ends up bloodied at the end of this fight... Even if that happens, yeah. as long as the hook horror is dead, then... as long as the hook horror is dead, I'd say that cut you. You came out positive on that, especially because your wizard didn't die. Sure, you until know, until that hook horror falls, and all of a sudden you hear clicking. Yeah, in the darkness. right. Hope, but hopefully that is the DM moving that train, trying to push the party elsewhere. Sure, you know, because you don't want to fight that again. Exactly, especially right now. Like you need, right. you need that long rest. You need every healing spell that you have in your your kit right now. Yeah, you if your if your if your one strategy is a bullet shield that is at half strength. Yeah, run exactly. Yeah, yeah you got <laughs> you got maybe one more of these that you can attack like that. And, and then you, a... and then you got to revive your, your tank. Yeah. 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 And there's no guarantee. Like, I don't care how well your nature check is, or maybe only if your ranger had the underdark as its terrain or something, maybe I'd give them the, the, the opportunity, but I don't care how good you roll on your nature check. I would not, I don't think I'd, I'd give them the ability to determine how many hook horrors there are based on the oh, no. echolocation. No, yeah. no, no. If you're in caves and whatnot, it's echoing all around. Yeah. No way. I and would. You'd have to hit like a, a natural twenty on your yeah. your 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 nature your check. check. If only if caves were your desire, your 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 terrain. And hook horrors where you're, you're, yeah, you're all uh, those dominoes have yep. to fall or else you're toast. Yeah. But I mean, the way the dice are rolling for them to get max damage on, on those, those hook attacks. I mean, it, it just true. may happen. Very yeah. true. Yeah. How many hook horror eggs 
would you give this? Laid by the strongest egg-laying female, of course. Well, if it was only by the strongest egg-laying female, <laughs> I know I tend to rate these pretty high, but I really like this monster. It's The more we talked about it, the cooler it got to me. The yeah. more we brainstormed it, the better it got, for sure. Yeah. I was... I was at a five, maybe six when we first started talking about it. I'm, I'm at a solid eight in the yoke. Wow. <laughs> I love the the idea of just really immersing the players in in the underdark for this kind of adventure. You know, if you if you really feel like going crazy and you bring out a, a couple hooks. You know, during and uh, maybe stab some one of your players. That's uh, that's up to you. Really, kind of get in there. So that's that's really building the ambiance. Oh yeah, here, yeah. Here. Just yeah, out okay. of nowhere, you just stab him with a hook. Although, what a cool barbarian weapon! Break off this thing's arm. You would have reach and you tie it have... onto a club. You could pull. I'd I'd give him reach. I'd give him the ability to pull. Yep. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah, the rule of cool in terms of you tell me what you want to do and we'll make it happen. Absolutely. Well, within reason, obviously. Well, like yeah. it, it has to make sense in this world. Yep. Yeah, but yeah. there are weapons that are just hooks. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's no... You could just reskin that mm-hmm. and, and have That's true, a yeah. similar, similar thing. But this would be way cooler than just something yeah. you would buy... In the fishing market. Yeah, right, right. I think, is it a, a halberd that has the hook on the end? I don't believe it's the halberd. That's the... Oh, that's the axe on the on the end of the pole. Yeah. Yeah, there's some pole arm yeah. that has a hook on it. But yeah, I could see like a drow barbarian or something having this. That'd be oh, really sure. cool. And that's, or even yeah. a drow fighter. I just say barbarian because they look, they look pretty big. And it's a large... It's a large creature, so... Yep. Those arms are going to be pretty big. Unless it's a weird anime character. Yeah, you're, right. You're it's just need... a giant, giant sword. Yeah. That, giant gun sword that makes no sense physically. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You could ride it. It's so yeah. large. But yeah, right. No, I'm going to carry it around on my back. Mm-hmm. And and swing it one-handed. Yeah. yeah. While jumping. <laughs> like 300 feet in the air. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, anime. Okay. I uh, any Any other thoughts on the old hook horror here? No, I think we've made up for the uh, the last Dragon. week's last week's such a disappointing. I'm oh so disappointing. Yeah, I'm glad that this this made up for it. I I was what I say eighty nine percent confident that it'd be better, yep. and it 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 is eighty nine times better than the Dragon. Absolutely. Uh, so that is it for our random encounter this week. Or come on back next week for another random monster from a random monster manual. In the meantime, do us a favor and rate us and review us and give us those five stars and all that really helps us get found and seen out there. We really appreciate it. If you have any suggestions as to how you would use the hook horror, or if you have any of the monster manuals that you would like us to pick through, the list is on the Feckless Momes site. Just click on over to the random encounters page. You'll see the full list of books that we're using. And if you've got one in particular that you'd like us to talk about, shoot us a message go to send an email to moms at fecklessmoms.com or you can go right to the home page of 
feckless.moms.com and there's a little uh, form there that you can submit to us. And if nothing else, just uh, just tell one nerdy friend about this podcast. At least one, please. In the meantime, <laughs> we will be back next week with that random monster. I am Nick. I'm Matt. And this is Random Encounters. And Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network.